0: that food is cool. no secret, eat that food with a bowl and spoon, everyone knows that food is cool, no secret, eat that food
1: with a bowl and soup. Hi, thanks Jelly for inviting me to join you on this venture that you've been pursuing. My name is Kyle Winkler and I work as the owner-operator of Zero Waste Wrangler. Uh, a small hauler for compostables and recyclables in the city of Pittsburgh uh, for both businesses and residents.
0: Any relation to Henry Winkler?
1: Uh, that's funny. It, it, it,
0: it, <laughs> Does everybody ask you that? <laughs> it's, it comes
1: and goes. Funny, it's funny. I remember way back in the day when I was a kid going with my mom to the bank and the bank teller asked her, so I was probably like 12 or something, you know, like, Henry, are you related to Henry Winkler? Of course my mom said no. Your mom went, ayyyy. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't know who Henry Winkler was. So uh, and then it would and for the longest time it kind of disappeared. And then it seemed like recently it has come back around again. Where people go, Are you related to Henry no,
0: Winkler? No, he's he's had a sort of resurgence, you
1: know, yeah. Resurgence, yeah, yeah. He's
0: he's really great. I actually had director,
1: what, actor, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, when I broke my foot back in 2021, my orthopedic guy—he reminded me of Henry Winkler. I don't know why, but it was really funny. As
1: the fo- as the fonz, yeah. or well, uh, or just Henry Winkler the guy.
0: I don't know. Don't I don't him. know the guy, yeah, but you know, and yeah. he, but he wasn't like the cool fonz guy. But he was just like kind of like what I imagined Henry Winkler to be. But his his voice kind of—I don't know what. It, I think it was his voice and a little bit about, it, but he. Yeah, it was just weird and i was just like feeling like the fawns was my yeah my orthopedist yeah that's great anyway yeah, so let me digress <laughs> so you have a compost business a compost retrieval business okay right, hauling, it, yeah, hauling yeah so yes. i tried it not
1: because i'm trying to be modest or anything like that because it is a a, a daily grind to make sure that the materials keep flowing but to, to honor the fact that there have been services there has been infrastructure in southwest pa for many many years in the form of a company which you know well. Shout out is, to Carla. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. AgriCycle is the reason that I exist, um, both in their approach to hauling being large scale <clears throat> and their willingness to offer me uh, contracted services for the actual composting of the material. Um, this could go into part of the evolution of why I'm here, where I am, specifically in this business, if you want me to go down that road. Starting with okay, so the the previous company Steel City Soils, Jeff Newman, who mm-hmm. you know, Rebecca Kiernan, uh, who you worked with at the city, you know, Jeff had this this idea, which is not a bad idea, and which is being done at other you know maybe a smaller level at, in these other companies, other haulers, is to be vertically integrated, and ensure, certainly that is the ideal in terms of collection. Uh, processing, and then sales of composting, and that's what AgriCycle does. So they collect the materials, they collect a fee. When they collect it, they process the materials, and then they market it to golf courses, organic farms, to bulk uh, nursery sales, the finished product. Um, And that's what Jeff Newman and Steel City Soils did prior to me acquiring their uh, commercial
0: route. And he did it all on a bicycle.
1: No, no. (laughs) He did a lot on a bicycle? No, no. I don't think he did if if, oh, if, if thinking
0: I thinking of the pedal pierogies?
1: Yeah, well, okay. maybe pedal oh, that's right Holy <laughs> crap. that's right.
0: that's okay. a
1: little side a little side of a little bit of
0: a little bit of a yeah because he's had so many different. Yeah, that businesses. was a that, yeah. that
1: pedal pierogi thing. a think bit of a little bit a side gig uh, shenanigans. a <laughs> little so, no, uh, um, using a small piece of a small piece of property in Braddock and, and and managing to get to you know maybe 65 tons a year which i think in my mind was the amount before he started to kind of have to move in a different direction in terms of processing because it was a lot of uh, volunteer driven um you know with a, with a with a goal towards moving towards maybe some sort of automation or containerization or aer- aerated static piles uh mm-hmm. forced aerations so you could get faster production and throughput. And then there's the sales on the back end. So when one person, one man, one woman, whatever, is trying to do all of that and rely, you know, somewhat the business model relies on the sales, when you're not making the sales of material on the back end, then you're you're constantly behind the eight ball. So you're collecting at a loss, um, you're processing, which is something you can't, who do you charge the processing to, it should be included in your pricing
0: on one end or the um, other. Yeah, it has to be somewhere,
1: or you're making it up on the back end. But if you don't ever sell anything on the back end, and you're not charging it on the front end, then you're just continue to lose money and and drop, you know, pull your hair out. So I just said I looked at what he was doing um, when I realized he was done with it mm-hmm. at the point where I was kind of like, hey, thinking about leaving the city or getting being offered the opportunity to leave the city or whatever. <laughs> so best way to say that.
0: Oh, that's it. Yeah.
1: I was volunteering, yeah, volunteering basically for Jeff and just driving around in a truck doing his route uh, in his pickup truck with a, with a bed cover and 18-gallon things and getting a sense of what it would take to do it. And then I just, once he, once he said, I'm out of here, I said, okay, uh, let me see what I can get response-wise from your customers. I'm just going to do hauling and I'll work with whoever. You know, At that time, I was going to haul out to a farm. I had lots of time. My time was worth not a lot. Because I had lots of it um, and not a lot of customers, so I was driving it up to New Galilee. But anyway, so I just said I'm going to do hauling and work with somebody else to process the material, and that's kind of where the business model changed, and um, that's where I am today. So that's why I re- require or, or value, uh, you know, going from what he had at 65 tons and you know pulling his hair out at 65 tons, and now in 2022 I did um, 255 tons of materials. So that's uh, all the customers, well, most of the customers that didn't go out of business. Um some of no them during
0: pandemic. Uh
1: or just you know, prior to pandemic, just they were whatever. It doesn't yeah, yeah, it doesn't come and go. Yeah, yeah things, things yeah, come okay. and go. And then um yeah, yeah. I grew that customer base, added breweries so you know, like Trace, and um you know that brings your tonnage up. Um so you get a lot of more material that you need to ma- manage. So some of that goes to feeding pigs and a lot of it goes most of it goes to composting and via yeah. agricycle. And I don't have to drive it all the way down to Washington County which would be another cost, uh, which would probably put me out of business. So.
0: Oh, so where's the site?
1: Oh, uh, I have two rented dumpsters. So I just utilize their services. Oh, gotcha, so I say, gotcha. Hey, Oh, I, I see. I, I have so a, you're a middle, I, middle yeah, man.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, A transfer... So, well, I don't, I don't want to call it a transfer <laughs> site because it's... Anyway, so...
0: Before uh, we get into the like how you got here, just a little bit of... Can you just give your pitch to how this is beneficial for businesses?
1: That is... It's a hard one to say because it's small business is very difficult and anything that's additional cost uh, can be seen as a detriment to a business. So if you're trying, if your small business is trying to actually reach some sort of or attain some sort of or follow some sort of code beyond, you know, beyond just profit driven, then I can help some businesses or all businesses attain those environmental goals. In some cases, it's more convenient or it's cost neutral so if you're so small it could be cost neutral if you're required to get a commercial hauling service and the you know the majority of what you produce is compostable like a coffee shop then you could just pay me versus getting um trash service through one of the big haulers you might as well i could just it's the same thing Uh, i provide roll carts uh, i pick them up um i give them a you know empty Uh, rinsed relined container and I take the old one with me and so it just keeps moving around and some customers like my brewery customers their material is Very highly volatile. It can get smelly stinky fast and so that as a Business benefit to not have that stuff or have a more responsive uh, Operator or hauler to make sure okay regular communication Okay, this is when the stuff's going to be ready. I'll have it within, you know, 24 hours, ideally, um, or or when it comes out, if it works out, within hours after it comes out. So now it's going, you know, right up to the farm, as fresh as possible. That helps with the with the, keeping the smells down and helps with the value of the product too. So spent grains specifically as a material source, but then you know some of the, people just they're just happy to do the right thing. Um, and that's you know that's their motivation you know sometimes there's a benefit sometimes it's environmentally there's always going to be a benefit other operational benefits may or may not be there depending on what type of material that they have so you're kind of
0: depending on people to have a altruistic desire to do the right thing yeah
1: yeah Yeah. unfortunately that's what altruistic means but yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) to do the right thing i guess to the degree that they think that that's the right thing to do yeah I don't begrudge any business that's just trying to stay in business. It gets into that question of, and I think this comes across sometimes in uh, employment in wages, it's like, well, maybe if you can't pay people wages, then maybe you shouldn't just, maybe this shouldn't be in business. Maybe mm-hmm. this is not yeah. a business, this is not a, a thing that should exist. Maybe that same, at some point will trickle down to, well, if you can't do right by the environment, maybe you shouldn't be in business. That's what I like yeah, to think. Yeah. I don't want to make people it's, guilty about it. Cause
0: yeah. You Sometimes have... you're
1: struggling. It's that we're all on a personal journey. I'm not.
0: We're all on our personal evolution. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. for sustainability and food and everything yeah. else. And that's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm doing this because it's not about making people feel guilty that they have certain habits, but about like being a, an example of how to just think a little different, a different yeah. perspective on things. So that's, that's what we're here for. Yeah.
1: Cool. And, and I will, I will admit right now that I ha- on tape, <laughs> <All right. laughs> tape, nobody uses tape, um, <laughs> That I eat meat, just because. But this is I'm a, an
0: eight track we're recording. Oh now. my gosh!
1: Wow, <laughs> that is the most
0: sleekest. But what are you admitting? Oh, I'm no,
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of threw it in there. I was like, and then see if it something? got it it got buried. Up. Nope. Uh, I eat meat. I know that it's one of the probably one of the easiest. Or, or, or now I don't know if it's easy because for me I, I'm a business owner. I'm constantly moving. I sometimes just need to get food wherever I can. Can't always be. I don't have the time. Anyway, so I eat meat. Even though it would probably would be very good for the environment, that I didn't eat meat. I
0: haven't always been this passionate about um, organic waste. And I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm thinking this isn't the most highly profitable uh, line of work. Um, there are probably other things you could do to make larger money. But this you're doing this because you believe in this mission. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, if, if this is a very highly profitable business, um, I, I would love to know about that. But tell me about how you got here and how you you came to this business.
1: I think from from a work purely work perspective, I find this to be. If I can maintain, sometimes it's hard to maintain the perspective, but it's very satisfying to be able to um, develop a customer relationships, have customers come back to me after years of conversation, provide them services, and see. The statements that I have said in the past, when working for environmental nonprofit at Pittsburgh Resources Council or at the City of Pittsburgh, consulting with people to say, "If you do this thing, then good things will happen." But now I get to see it happen. I get to see, you know, four years Mm. of data accumulated, collections, and go, "Wow, we're like that." You know, this Tinas or something like that. Sixteen. Actually, I'm I'm trying to remember the numbers, but this is like relatively small amounts. Every week, for 52 weeks a year, for four years, and now you're at 16,000 pounds of diverted material, and you go, "Oh wow, that's that's a real number." Versus like, "Oh, if you do this thing, you would get 100 pounds," but you have to keep doing it in order for it to be meaningful. And now I get to see that, and I think that's
0: and you um, get to share that with your clients too, and they must be so excited about that because you're tracking it. And they don't have to. <laughs> they
1: don't have to track it. I and I think that. You know, I could probably be more, a little more forward uh, or be more little proactive in reporting or congratulating them because that's I'm starting to understand again with that versus the just sending a report to somebody and say, good luck with these recommendations I've never had an experience with. I just took them out of a DEP playbook or something or PRCs rehashed reports that we've sent to other companies and realized that, yeah, ongoing education, ongoing engagement, ongoing um, enthusiasm about doing the right thing is a challenge. And you've got employee turnover and then you've got things that you've forgotten that you did two years ago when you first started the program that you now need to do again because your staff has turned over hundred percent or you got a new manager and whatever. And, they, and it, you know, one person was actually holding up the entire program and they left and you didn't really realize what value they brought to that specific aspect. I mean, there's the other aspects of the business itself, but this specific, you know, waste management, you know, a good example, there's somebody, there was a staff member at uh, East end food co-op who constantly cleaned up the post-consumer collection container, which is basically available to anybody at the co-op staff, anybody just passing by, Um, they would always clean up the the compostables. And I always thought, when I first started the program, this is amazing. People at the East End Food Co-op really get it. (laughs) They just look at the signs and they know where to put the stuff. It's amazing. And then I realized somebody was sorting the entire time. Mm. And then that person left. And now I'm I'm forced to tackle with or deal with how do I go back to the customer and say, hey, this is a a problem. Anyway, this is, I don't know, kind of go off on a tangent. That's fantastic.
0: I was just thinking... When you were talking about the, the data and talking about um, like when people reach certain milestones mm-hmm. in their collection, maybe you can have like little stickers printed up that they could put on their windows of their doors of their business. People so like, you know, love the window stickers, 50 tons saved Jeez. from the landfill.
1: It definitely could be better.
0: I don't and know. that would be marketing for you, too. I'm saying sure, this sure, would sure. be like really great and have a little, you a little QR. Beep. Yeah, could be like, I want to do that, too
1: it's all it's also tough in the marketing world to be like what does zero waste look like from a marketing perspective which is essentially about i don't know i don't know if it's creating trash (laughs) i have really bad kind of perspective or feelings about or or, uh, experiences with marketing in general and so it seems like there's a lot of collateral that's generated that goes into the world and with what benefit i don't know and sometimes it's it's tra- it's it's true plastic stuff it cannot be recycled it can't be mm-hmm. composted um, I just did a direct mailer campaign and somebody was like hey, why did you do that? That's going to create a bunch of trash I was like I don't know how else to get <laughs> I, I don't know what I was just I, I you wanted... just
0: can't win Kyle they're
1: like why'd you like, you can't do that I'm like I did it I don't know
0: email I mean, creates I, I... carbon footprint yeah. as well we these servers yeah. that are being yeah. stored
1: like, wow, so am I going to go door to door well that's kind of you know God I would probably work better but anyway permitting and a time and so what anyway. Yeah. So that's it's... a challenge as far as what is the thing that is gonna make them feel valued. And is also gonna transmit down to the people on the ground who actually do the work. So there's the there's the managers or you know the owner or whatever. And does that trickle down to the person who at 1, a, 1 a.m. in the morning has to take this bag out and then decide oh, uh, am I going to take the time to put it in the right container? Mm. If there's a little piece, is there an aluminum can in there? Am I going to take the time to take the aluminum can and put it in the right thing and put the compost on the compost?
0: And At how 1 much AM more, in the morning after. stuff do I want to touch after this freaking day? Yeah, this right? day yeah. I'm done with. I'm just, <laughs> I want to
1: be done. I want to go home. And so... I'm going to wish
0: cycle it and throw it all in here.
1: Yeah, so I guess those are things that I'm still challenged with or think about and wonder how does it how does it ultimately affect so if i give it to somebody and how often or how does that goodwill filter down to the people who are actually doing the work on the, at the very base level of putting stuff in the container or sorting the table from the from the table sorting the materials um, so that they're on the back end of the back of the house actually sorted correctly so that when i collect it i'm not sitting yeah. there sorting through uh-uh, you know or sending bad things to and, every
0: second. And, you know it's not like you're just dealing with the, the, like the plastic recycling and the metal recycling, you're dealing with the goo. <laughs> the goo is your world. So you're picking out other stuff and then you got to, what do you do with that? Yep. That's, I that's, mean, that's and, 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 a and everybody else is just like, Oh, get rid, get rid of the goo, but that's your thing. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, so, so the you goo. mentioned PRC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> when you get to it. Where'd you grow up? New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Cool. So you and Rebecca have that East Coast thing in common. Yeah, That's I forgot.
1: So. No, we had that in common. Yeah. How could I forget that with her accent?
0: She said something about the border the other day and we were all just like, whoa, New York comes out. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, so, so you grew up in Jersey mm-hmm. and then you went to do college or was, Corvents, your, was your, yeah, your family, Corvents, was your, were your parents hippies? Like
1: not at all. I always
0: imagine your parents would have been hippies and no, how you no. turned out to be this recycling guy. That's funny. No, actually, I'm <laughs> okay. not sure
1: where. And it's, yeah, my my motivations are probably more towards the uh, obsessive compulsive versus actual environmental. I just see that this is doesn't make sense. Landfills don't make sense, especially when there are valuable materials um, to be derived from products. And I'd like to see that Go around and around and around. It's like kind of like a little like a little puzzle for me. More than it is, yeah. There's this environmental benefit, but that's just because that's the way the world should work. I think you know. It's like that's yeah. the way the natural world works. Why are we so like? Why can't we just figure this out? How to do it the way that nature does it versus the way that's lazy? Basically, it's
0: like I'm Did just grow up in more of like an urban environment suburban
1: suburban new jersey suburban yeah i drove everywhere it was it was terrible i Mm. spent a lot of time in the car was just for fun for fun because that's what you do in jersey you're like we're just gonna drive 45 minutes to uh a diner and drink uh coffee and or hot chocolate and maybe order a donut or something and then
0: oh and then go
1: to the mall or go to a movie or go to the uh not the pitch and putt but the uh Driving range, try to hook the balls into the Motel 8 or something like that. And parking lot. <laughs> it was like, we were bored. Uh And there wasn't a lot to do in our downtown area. Not walkable, not not mm. easily rideable. Although I do remember riding my bike a lot. Mm, yeah. And, uh, but so anyway, yeah. So that my parents, my dad worked for um, chemical companies. Um, and then he was doing...
0: Jersey, of course. Well, yeah.
1: prior to that, he was, yeah, New York <laughs> State guy anyway, where there's chemical chemicals. It's anyway.
0: Well, Jersey has like the most. Um, that's where they make the flavor <laughs> for foods. We didn't have it It's in yeah, New right? Jersey. Like there's a whole bunch of factories there that do food flavor science.
1: We had one just down on the street from us, mm. which so you go by and sometimes a bit like bubblegum or strawberries and. But yeah, it was not a very like pretty facility. It was just like kind of industrial. You know, smoke stacks and weird, you know, shaped things that were for industrial processes, and it just didn't look like, it wasn't like off Chocolate Factory or something,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> happy colors or something, it just smelled nice when you drove by, and like, oh, that's weird. But
0: uh, somehow you connected with nature, with nature, natural systems. Yeah. yeah. How'd that happen? I don't know.
1: I think it was, it was, I liked working in the garden um, with the plants, growing things, um, shaping kind of the yard, doing, well, mowing, whatever, that's not really, it's part of the, important setting the stage for something else. Well, and
0: it's what you knew. I mean, that was, that was working in the yard and it was probably one of your chores. You probably were mandated to do that. (laughs) Yeah, mow the
1: lawn, Uh, weed whack, and yeah, do the, you know, trim the hedges, the privet and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, Oh, the dreaded privet. Yes. It's whatever. It's a thing. It's a border plant, but yeah. It's it's the suburbs, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, so horticulture was probably my touch point to environmental, the environment itself, plants, understanding plants, identifying plants. Um, then going to, you know, going, going through high school, um, Boy Scouts, being in nature, trips on the Delaware. Wow, shout fish, out to Boy Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I had hopefully the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, definitely, I think, was formative in terms of connecting with uh, nature, the natural world, hiking um and yeah so and then you know going through high school i don't know if we really had that much of the biology basic sciences which were interesting of course or for me
0: so where your did your brain work well around math and science and that sort of thing is that where you're i can do it okay <laughs> math maybe not as much you know yeah that's not mine either calc, calc like... i
1: kind of kind of left the Once we got into calculus and differentials and stuff like that, I was like, I took the physics that uh, was for for regular folks, physics, not the calculus where you really need to focus in or get to exact outcomes and and predictions.
0: but it but, but took me three times to pass algebra once, so just do oh up geez. with your physics. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. So, okay. so you, you got Somebody a little said. more skill there than okay. I do, but yeah. I mean, that's yeah. so you understand it, and, and yeah. that, is, yeah. that is that is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I did have a good good crew of people I grew up with who helped in that. They were excited about it, made me excited about it, wanted to be hang out, talk about like friends, um, or, yeah, friends, or, okay. yeah, friends, not th- yeah, teachers too, like I peers, guess. Like should yeah, be peers, like peers versus yeah. like mentors.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, peers. Nice. Oh, that's great. And, so you had a the, bunch of nerds. Yep. that were, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, we
1: embraced that. Our to the degree that it meant anything at that level, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, we we hung out hung out with nerds and talked about nerdy things. And I think some of them were more nerdy than I was, but um, which again helps with the.
0: And we mean that in the most loving sense of the term, nerds. Yeah. I'm saying so at least I, I Yeah, so Oregon
1: State, uh, forestry I thought was gonna be the direction um, without really knowing what forestry was. And then horticulture itself too, even hort science, you know, you get in you start to which is is good, I guess, because if you're trying to train people, train humans to be productive members of society, there is the general understanding of sciences and then there's the practical understanding of sciences. So and which I kind of was turned off. I didn't want so much at my college experience. So, and I just went through this whole thing with my niece because she's going to, to college here in um, Montana, the Grizzlies. Hopefully I got that right. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so, that, so uh, forestry was about diameter at breast height. How can you determine what the economic value is of a stand of trees? <clears throat> what Your expected um, income oh, wow. could be and then, and you're um,
0: talking about cutting down the trees, and not economic yeah, value.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, but I think there's also the, if you're if you care about your economy, you can you can also tie in um, a care for the um, the ecology when you when you because everything grows better when you care about the things that in which they grow. You know, you can't just grow trees and sand and hope to get anything valuable out of it, uh, or without. A huge amount of cost, so there is some environmental awareness and, and consciousness associated with that approach, but it's certainly not what maybe most people would think or would want. The clear cutting versus selective mm. versus no cutting, and then how it is that you know in the broader sense of ecology and environmental services. You know, if you're talking about beyond just making toilet paper or books or whatever it is you're or lumber to build the houses. So anyway, that was that. And then, so I, I kind of moved out of that into horticulture thinking that, oh, I could just get more broader understanding or in a, in a, in a field that I cared about. Um, but then again, there's also, I remember specifically going like, oh, I don't want to be a greenhouse operator that has to sit there and, and, and stress about counting my Easter lily bloom petals so that I know when my Easter lilies are going to bloom. Because I know that the the value of them three days prior to Easter is going to be this X number. And if I miss that window, they're now marked off 50%. And I've already spent all this money and I can calculate oh, wow. my outcome. So there, you know, there was like a whole running, running a nursery, running uh, greenhouses for production of things that people buy every day and don't really think about what it takes to make them happen. So I kept, this, mo- I kept moving to more and more broader.
0: But the stress of, of, you know, you're interacting with nature because you love nature, but you have to manipulate nature and control nature mm-hmm. because your monetary worth is based on your ability to control nature or predict nature. And that's so freaking stressful. And I can yeah. imagine that that's, yeah. And you're just like, no.
1: <laughs> I guess I didn't want that relationship yet. Um, yeah, that's,
0: that's it kind of that to... seems like a really you're right that relationship.
1: Yeah.
0: That's it's about that relationship and that just totally like to like when when you start to people always say like oh if you could get paid for what you love but if you love to cook and then you go work in a restaurant you're just like oh my god I never want to cook yeah <laughs> yeah because you're just like so burnt out from it I mean it, it, some people have a really good experience I'm not saying that but like sometimes it does get stressful because you're like then forced to do it and it makes it
1: not fun anymore yeah yeah and and you you start to make maybe the thing that you love you can't do exactly the way you want to do it and you start to lessen your stringent quality you know sometimes you just want to do something and do it really well but not for any monetary value and and, um, so I think that was where I was I don't know how that fits into my understanding of the environment but maybe that was kind of what I wanted from my college experiences of a more or a less job specific or job like focus like even though that's an important part of the college experience for many people especially you guys at the engineering I was always like oh that sounds terrible like it's just how can I make this make me money
0: well I think that's a lot of that is capitalism and that's America specific. It's the United States specifically because I went to school for fine art, mm-hmm. my undergrad, and part of that, like I was telling, you, I went to Czechoslovakia, and over there, when I told people that I was an artist, they'd say, "Oh, that's great! Thank you. That's the, thank you for making such beautiful stuff and making the world and perceiving the world the way you do." Mm-hmm. But here, when I would tell people I was an art student, they'd be like, "What do? What are you gonna do with that?" <laughs> like there was no, no, nobody had a different reaction than what, how are you gonna make money at that? Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's capitalism is the problem. You didn't, you wanted capitalism out of your horticulture experience yeah. it's tough.
1: But that led me to an environmental science degree. So I guess that's the point is that eventually, once I decided I didn't care about uh, maintaining grass for golf courses, figuring out the feeding, growing, and, and applications, you know, year round, that was turf and landscape, or, making yards look prettier using a very strict, you know, palette of plants, which are available coast to coast. You're like, why are the same plants? You just need yeah. the same plants. Every freaking nursery you can go to them. It's basically the same plants. You're like, why? This is crazy. Like, I mean, except you know, in the desert, of course, that's not going to find privet. Nobody's selling privet being- I bet somebody Baldwin tried. Burla- I, somebody- I bet <laughs> somebody tried. them burlap privet in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, maybe, I don't, That would be terrible. Yeah, so I went, eventually got into just environmental sciences generally, so got to take more like policy, um, history of, and get, I think, more broader appreciation for the environmental sciences and its position in, in the world and the sciences around that, I guess, you know.
0: I don't know. So how'd you end up in Pittsburgh?
1: Oh, that was that, so that's a so family company. I worked I worked two, for two years after college in a, in a company in Oregon, which didn't seem to be going anywhere. Um, doing compost tea production hmm. and doing landscape maintenance at which was more more or less just mowing lawns at,
0: at the. That's maintaining the landscape. Maintaining huh? the landscape
1: with a brush hog and a weed whacker, yeah, and and one Montessori school on this two hundred forty three acre property, which used to be an old state mental institution. So it was, it was a weird job. Did that for two years. Didn't see where my job was going. Family business out in Pittsburgh, Coriopolis, doing wastewater permitting and some sales. And so that's kind of where I, what led me over to here and then eventually to, to leave there to, to find an environmental profit, do some consulting for businesses, um, waste reduction, recycling, special events, zero waste special events. Then to the city, thinking that I would have a bigger impact, more control, more direction to change system holistically. And then... Realizing that that was not the case going to this, my current position. It was a short, that was a short history.
0: You deal in organic waste and a lot of food waste, but what is your relationship with food? You eat it. I eat, I eat
1: food and I... Air, water,
0: food. You eat (laughs) those to survive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, my eating life is terrible. I think that um, it's get it where I can right now while I struggle through kind of some growing pains which is trying to get customer base high enough, which means time on route, collecting and dumping, cleaning and returning containers, maintaining relationships, while I show uh, economically that I can bring on more people, staff, uh, helpers either on the truck or drivers, because everything costs money depending on what level they interact with the business. So if they're just doing ad- admin, that's the cheapest, but does that help me? Yeah, yeah, it does. but. To what degree is that a full-time position? Not really. A helper? Okay, cool. That's and now your your cost of anyway. I'm trying to get off too too far for the food. The the food question is um, your
0: business is taking over your life right exactly. Right? But but so it's like you have a horticulture background. Do you grow food currently so or hortic- like yeah? Horticulture
1: wasn't about food. It was like I said the the very oh. specific woody landscape plants that decorate and sometimes provide zero value to the environment, both food-wise and to the animals. I mean, they they hold the soil in together and they sometimes have a texture or color palette that is pleasing to designers of landscapes. And that's about, wow. that's so all they- Wow, it's
0: even worse than we think. Yeah, it's a The garbage. considerations are, are not about the wildlife, not about the environment, not about the people
1: I think that's mainstream landscaping. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's about some very, very old ideas, and I'm sure you've, you've seen them. You can drive around and look and go, yeah, that's pretty much the same meatball hedges or meatball plants in the front yard. They've been trimmed down. you never seen. I, I didn't know what a U looked like until senior year in high school. I was like, oh, that's what a U looks like. I've never seen a U in its natural form because nobody lets it grow in mm. its natural because it's crazy. It's like a weird,
0: you know. It's yeah, there of, are some nice <laughs> ones in Highland Park actually yeah, in the just, neighborhood. They're really neat. Yeah. Wow.
1: They're, yeah, they, it takes you back, and you go, oh my God, that's okay. That would you have to have a different approach, You have a different placement, You have a different uh, interaction with it versus putting it right under your front windows, where you cannot let it be wild because it would just grow through your house, oh. it would just get huge, and would be crazy. But yeah, my, my experience is not with growing anything of, like you said, wildlife value or value to uh, eat. You know. Well, if it's usually when it's, there's some overlap with if it's valuable to wildlife, then there's some sort of product like that humans can eat as well sometimes, but um, yeah, that's not my, my shtick, uh, was not learning those things, unfortunately. Have you grown food, though? It's been very lazy if it has ever been at all. So at one point, you know, I've had that experience where I bought a bunch of heirloom tomatoes for my sister and we threw them in the yard. And with very little effort, other than watering, we had like this crazy amounts of tomatoes. And I was like, that was amazing. But yeah, my current position my yard, in my backyard, because it's a wild mess, plus time. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any time. I don't feel like I have any time. I don't ded- dedicate time to this. And then there's deer groundhogs and everything else so that you'd have to adjust, figure out how to fence oh, yeah. off and to order to produce anything of value or to get it before they get it, just before everything looks great and then oh, it's gone. Because I've
0: been thinking about different plants you, and, and potatoes. Deer, groundhogs, I don't necessarily like potatoes. Okay. I'm thinking about if I ever am able to do it someday, adopting a lot okay. and filling with cardboard boxes and potatoes growing with straw. Okay. A little, little compost in the bottom to yeah. put some nourishment and then, then straw. Mm-hmm. And then just keep putting straw in it and then just cut the box open and you have potatoes. Okay. It's the theory. I was going to do it this year, but I didn't have time and, and now I've got time. So, But it's too late. So maybe next year we'll try that you? method.
1: Because potatoes seem like one of the most our least expensive things to get at the store and get them whenever you really want them. How do you how do you feel about? It's a lot of work. It seems mm. that's what I always think. I go, oh my god, I could just. Oh
0: yeah no, 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 potatoes. I mean there there is that fine line, but I think um there are some companies that some some local farms that are growing some really nice heirloom potatoes, and they Keeper. do have a better flavor. Okay. they definitely taste better and and i you're right, I could buy them, but they're like four dollars a pound when you buy okay. them, oh, maybe, no. maybe not four dollars a pound, gosh, how much were they? I can't remember scratch that, but they're they're definitely more expensive, but you and you can buy potatoes in the store that are yes. cheaper, but you know, growing your own. And, and have you ever grown potatoes? Have you ever dug up potatoes?
1: I've never, nope. I got a general sense of what it's about, but it ta- yeah.
0: It's just so magical because everything's dead. Okay. It's just dead, it's just dead, just dirt. And then you put your fork in the ground and then you turn over the soil and there's all these amazing, beautiful potatoes. Okay. It's Just so magical. <laughs> the first time I did it was at a farm out in McDonald, PA, which I thought yeah. was very appropriate. Oh my God. <laughs> And I was digging potatoes for the food bank as a volunteer thing with my job. And yeah, it was just, it was so magical.
1: So you kind of like a gleaning. Okay. Yep. So the farmer said, I'm not going to harvest it. You can come and grab whatever you want. Yeah. I worked for
0: the the chamber of commerce and the Pittsburgh regional alliance. And we got a group of people together and went out and volunteered. We all Mm -hmm. drove out there and and dug potatoes together. It was a very team building experience. I loved it. Since a lot of your your customers are on your clients are food businesses, do you just like eat while you're there? Do you get food from them, or do you like stop by and get like cheap hot dogs? Which oh hell no! Yeah, no, <laughs> my I've, husband's I've, a big fan.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I think he's, he's a big fan
0: of the Get Go hot dogs. He's got a whole philosophy about gas station hot dogs. It's a thing.
1: I won't say that I've never had a, a gas station hot dog, but it's I I do like to patronize my biz- businesses that use my services. So um, whether it's getting some fresh to go, like a sandwich at the East End Food Co-op, um, Ada on Wednesdays is usually a place I like to get their um, uh, panini panini sandwiches at the Bloomfield, I guess it is, a Garfield location. And so there are like strategic spots. They don't always overlap with Actual meal times or dinner times, but I try to plan. Millville Market is a great place. Mm. It's at the end of my route on um, on Wednesday, so if I've missed Ada, then I can hit them up for just anything. You can get a grocery store and eat um, before I dump the truck, so that I have fuel to get me through the rest of the night, or just something if I'm if I'm ahead of schedule, then I can have it for after when I'm done. So I'll have it for dinner later. Um, so that's always a nice thing. Yeah, try to. You know, the ones where it's appropriate, not everybody's fast, fast food or, you know, where you could take a sandwich to go, so, yeah, um, without ordering ahead of time, um, so it doesn't always work out, but I definitely try to as much as possible, coffee, yeah. drinks, food. Do you, you like that,
0: spicy
1: food? I don't know. I mean, I do like spicy food, but I'm not sure what your level of spicy is, because I've mm-hmm. certainly been my first experience with understanding the depth of spiciness at least in the Pittsburgh market, was going to a Thai restaurant and realizing that this the scale was all completely different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thai food. I was like, Thai food is different. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, Thai so maybe food.
1: maybe we're more like than
0: Thai food is a whole other animal. And also, like when you're talking about like like Indian spices versus like Mexican spices, like okay. totally different. Um, and you can you can build a tolerance for one and not the other. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah.
1: So I guess You're I'm open to I'm spicy, uh, spicy curious. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: good. Right. I like that.
1: Oh, I love sushi. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that or that go to on a regular basis. A Korean street food truck. That and Haskell's. So that's sometimes yeah. I frequent the food trucks. So some of my businesses do not have food service, but they do have food services that. Are at and supporting, you know, the, the economic viability of the businesses I go to, the breweries specifically. So if there are, like, like I said, the Haskells is great, and I can't even remember the name of the Korean street food truck, but I really like their corn dogs, a Korean corn dog. <laughs> I just know the truck is there sometimes, and then I'm lucky when it is. Like, oh,
0: yeah.
1: And I get basically everything on the menu, get the corn dog, I get their like their vegetable sushi. Um and then they have like a, a chicken, chicken rice, not kimchi but pickled vegetable. Anyway,
0: it's good. In New Jersey in the uh chemical flavored capital of the world.
1: <laughs> That's weird. It's gonna be a weird painting, a weird
0: Yeah, yeah. Well you saw all the industrial stuff and you smelled it yourself. That one so.
1: it was one little plant in this one little town. But yeah, Newark is and all that is different, you know, chemical yeah. refineries and yeah.
0: So it sounds like you grew up in the suburbs but it is new jersey so it's an an old sort of place so it's not like a new suburb a new development or anything no. so there had to be some like interesting restaurants or places that you would go any interesting
1: i think because we were anything that would have been foodie related would have been driven by my uh, parents because as a kid <laughs> i didn't have a lot of Disposable sure. income and <laughs> people say, Well, you probably went to the beach all the time. It's like we didn't really go to the beach we had family in Michigan, so we would if there was time over the summer, we would just go to Michigan. And so there we didn't go to the beach and people go, Well, what about the city of Pittsburgh or city New York City? Yeah. And you were right there. Same I'm exactly.
0: like, Yeah,
1: it was scary like for a kid uh,
0: yeah.
1: or to drive in and always feeling like as a no, you as a take the train. Super, for sure. eh, figure out the train schedule, like I'm never Anyway, it was, there were things that,
0: <laughs> and then what
1: you got there is like, Why well, we could walk around and get harassed by, you know, people who could identify us as being basically like greenhorns. Mm-hmm. Hey, check this out. We got this thing, you know, whatever. We'd shake it down for money. I don't know. Just weirdest things that we did. I didn't, didn't have the crew that wanted to, mm-hmm. um, or the crew that knew how to spend a lot of time without a lot of extra gotcha. money. Yeah, I just hang out in New York City and go, well, that was fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love cool the
0: story of how you got to where you are, and it, it's it's fascinating. Thanks Thank so much for meeting with me and uh, having some tea and coffee and, yeah. in this great ship room. What's it? The cool ship room. Cool ship room. Cool ship room with Trace. Thanks, yes. Trace. And thanks. thanks, Kyle Winkler. I appreciate you talking with me. Thank you, Shelley. was written, produced, and hosted by me, Shelley Danko Day. Original theme music is by Paula Breeze and Friends. Thanks for listening. See you next time.